Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. The Bill Michael Show on the air brought to you by Bud Light. Uh, it's like timing is everything, as I say that if you're looking on the Bud Light live stream, the giant Bud Light semi <laughs> passing off into the distance. Nice. Good stuff. We're broadcasting live. We're at uh, Luxair Golf Base. And we are down here in Franklin, Wisconsin. They're getting ready to officially open this place up on uh, on Friday. They're putting all the final touches and finishing touches on this place. But uh, we'll talk with uh, the owner down here, Mike Zimmerman, coming up here in a little bit. Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, going to join us a quarter after. Breaking news in the NFL, though. Ian Rappaport reporting that the NFL and Deshaun Watson's people and the Browns have struck a disciplinary settlement. He is going to be suspended now 11 games. He will, not, he, he will not be eligible to come back until week 13 against the Texans. The uh, it, So he didn't get a year. I really, really thought that the NFL, when they filed the appeal, they were going to go full bore into one-year suspension, but they, they didn't get it. They struck a deal. They didn't get it. And uh, he is also going to have to pay $5 million. You know, when a guy gets a $230 million guaranteed contract, $5 million is $5 million is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of a drop in the bucket. Um, anyway, that being said, that is uh, – so right now, right now, uh, he is not going to be eligible to come back until week 13, but he will play this season. He will play this season. So really uh, some interesting news. Uh, ben, are you a little surprised that uh, the NFL did not push for the entire season? I think they did push for the season. I'm not surprised at the number because almost half because they're on by week 12, so he's back week 13. Halfway between 6 and the end of the season would be week 12 slash 13. So it could have been one of those deals where they push for more, they get more, but they find the middle ground, which is uh, this 11-game suspension. Right. I, I got to admit, I'm a little surprised. I'm surprised he didn't get the entire year. Um, yeah, it's uh, – I, I, what is the message sent by that? You know, if you're an NFL follower, aficionado, what have you, what is the message sent by that? Um, and if you're specifically to the female groups that are out there, I mean, I know they would like to see him shut down for a long period of time, but, you know, remember uh, the women's group uh, in Cleveland, and I can't remember if it was a rape crisis center, um, but they put out a statement saying that basically the NFL was too lenient, the decision was too lenient, this sends a terrible message. I'd be really interested to find out what what the perception of the NFL is that they ended up settling on 11 games total. You know? That that's just that's just my interest there. Um anyway, uh 877-867-1670 877-867-1670 If you want to give us a shout by all means, go ahead and do so again 877-867-1670 hit us up. And uh we'd be uh Glad to take a call if you want to want to chime in. Um, the uh, the other side of the coin in in this is what does this do for the Browns? Not to make light of this, 
in any way, shape, or form, not to take it out of the context of what has been done or the perception of what has been done, but also thoughts on what this does as far as to the opposite side of the coin. I mean, you know, if you're a Browns fan, you, you certainly have to think about this. What does this do to the Cleveland Browns? If the Browns, I mean, I you know, 11 weeks in, do you think the Browns have the capability to win enough games to be even relevant? I haven't sat down and really looked at their schedule, to be perfectly honest with you, but do the Browns have enough ability to remain relevant to where they could possibly find themselves in the postseason? If in reality they – they could just kind of – and then Deshaun Watson, who has not played meaningful football at that point in time more than a year and a half, do they have that ability to to be relevant in, in the postseason or at least push for the postseason? I, just a thought. 877-867-1670. Again, 877-867-1670. 1670. I, I just, rather interesting. Um, I, you don't have the, the Brown schedule in front of you, do you, Ben, by any chance? I do, actually. You do? Uh, g- give me, give me the, the Browns schedule. Let's talk about the Browns schedule without Deshaun Watson for the first 11 games. So, uh, the games he will play in. Uh, the last he gets one game against each of the division foes, which could actually okay. uh, end up as significant. They finished the season in Pittsburgh, second to last week they are in Washington, third to last they host the Saints. They have the Ravens before that. They are in Cincinnati to face the Bengals. Uh, the Texans is the first game he's back. So those six games: Texans, Bengals, Ravens, Saints, Commanders, Steelers are the ones he'll play in. I mean they they face the AFC East. So you get the Bills there, but you also get the Jets, and maybe the Dolphins are better. It seems kind of manageable, even though their division is tough, with uh, Lamar back for the Ravens. The Steelers should be okay, uh, and then obviously the the Bengals with Burrow. It it seems semi-manageable overall. So if you're just tuning us in, by the way, the the Browns, uh, Deshaun Watson, suspended 11 games. That was the agreement that came down between his people, the Browns, and the NFL. And he would then be eligible to come back technically week 13 after their bye. So I'm trying to look at their their schedule. Okay, here's their schedule. So they play on the road in Carolina to open things up. They're a pretty good football team, and Carolina's been a team that's in flux. Um I don't – do they they win that game? That's a 50-50 maybe? I think they beat the Jets. The Steelers are kind of an enigma. I don't know what to make of the Steelers as of right now. Uh, life after Ben Roethlisberger and such, I, I know there's some optimism. There's always optimism. The Steelers are a, a historic team, uh, so their fan base always has an expectation, much like the Packers fans do. But what's, what's the reality of Pittsburgh at this point? Uh, they didn't look good the other night. I know that when I was watching the uh, – their preseason game. Um, but then again, they're not playing a ton of starters at this point. Uh, you're trying to keep T.J. Watt and company healthy. So I, my assumption is the Browns, I, I, that game is at home. I'll take the Browns in that one. They play on the road against Atlanta, uh, just an awful team. They should get a win there. They'll get beat by the Chargers. Pro- <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> probably get beat by the Patriots. Probably get beat by the Ravens. Probably get beat by the Bengals. 
Um, maybe they get a win over the Dolphins, although it's really going to depend on what kind of a, a season two is having at that point. Uh, they're going to lose to the Bills. They're going to lose to the Buccaneers. And he comes back to face the Texans. So, what was that? Four wins? Four, four and seven at that point? I... I I, I I think their season's going to be pretty much gone. I think at the end of this year, I, I could be wrong, but I think at the end of this year, it'll be just, uh, hey, get him back, get him playing some football, get him on the right path, and then look more towards uh, 2023 if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Just kind of going through things in my head here, to be honest with you. So, um, This is... Uh, this is from Mark. Mark says, uh, I think it's a travesty that Deshaun Watson is allowed to come back into the NFL this season and to make money on top of it. Uh, what does this say about women and the care they have for women? They talk about breast cancer and such. They talk about breast cancer and such when they sell the pink ribbons and sell the pink jerseys, but only a minuscule amount of proceeds actually go to breast cancer awareness and or research. Uh, the NFL is all hypocritical. It's all about the money. They were afraid of maybe what Watson would reveal. No, I don't think so. I think what they were afraid of was uh, it's not what Watson would reveal. It was, it's what would come out and the pressure that would be put on them in their own ranks uh, more so than anything. Remember the judgment when it originally came down. The judge kind of chastised ownership for not um, – how do I put this? For not basically governing themselves. They want to co- talk about coming down hard on, hard on players and – and personal conduct and such, and the morality that they seek and the protect the shield, but the judge kind of wagged the finger in a backhanded way at the owner, saying, "You don't even you don't even do it to yourselves. You've got owners out there running amok. Okay, you've got one owner who's uh, reported to not only cheat other owners, but has cheated people that have passed away in their families. You've got one owner that uh, has had, you know, um, obviously a brush with the law in illegality when uh, Robert Kraft decided to." Go get the tug and pull, if you will, uh, before a playoff game. You've had the issues with Jerry Jones. You've got Jimmy Haslam and and Stephen Ross that have been accused of throwing games. Ross that's been tampering with other people, uh, both being Tom Brady and Sean Payton. So you've got a lot of different stuff that's happened, and you haven't policed yourself. So why should we feel the need to go and police you? And, And I understand that sentiment. I understand that sentiment. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. You want to find us, do it. Again, 877-867-1670. Hit us up, and we'd be glad to uh, glad to chat. A um, couple other things real quick before we, uh, we get to break. Uh, one is, uh, don't forget, coming up after uh, the break here, Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, is going to be joining us. And we're going to talk to Pete. Uh, about this Packers team. Yeah, and there was a meeting, and it's that's one of the headlines right now if you go to, say, the four-letter network or you go to the NFL, and uh, a meeting between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers wide receivers as they wanted to, <coughs> excuse me, kind of vet some of the things that, uh, some of the concerns that Aaron Rodgers had regarding, um, regarding the, uh, you know, the, the wide receiving effort, so to speak. Um, uh, Torre says it was really just giving us advice, uh, basically letting us know that the Green Bay Receiving Corps has always been held to a super high standard. All the legends who have been through here, it's just about us carrying on that standard and stepping up our game. It, 
I don't think for those that made it out to be some kind of a Aaron Rodgers putting everybody into a room and, and dressing everyone down, I really don't think it was that. I think it was more that this was just, hey, let's get on the same page. Let's let's up the effort. Let's up the enthusiasm. There's a tradition to carry on here. There's some things that we need to take a look at, and uh, and, and we need to make this better. And I think that's what this was. So we'll see. We'll see what uh, what happens and if indeed – um, you know, it has the effect uh, coming up tomorrow night at Lambeau Field that Aaron Rodgers was looking for and in practice as well. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, come back. Got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show coming up. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Quick Trip. At Quick Trip, they got a lot going on, a lot of good stuff going on. Thanks to our friends at uh, Quick Trip, Tobacco Outlet Plus Grocery, Quick Spirits and such for putting on the cigar dinners. We had a great time last night, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good people. Um, and, and by the way, speaking of that, uh, I had a really good team. Now, yesterday, after I got off the air, my team had to had to kind of wait for me because I got off the air about 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes after they had already teed off. But thanks to Randy and Paul and Mark, the guys that I had a chance to golf with, just really good dudes, man, really good dudes, a lot of fun. And uh, we laughed, we giggled, we had a really good time. Thanks to them for kind of putting up with me. But uh, nevertheless, we had uh, we had a fantastic afternoon. Ended up coming in a couple under, and still uh, were able to imbibe and enjoy some cigars after the fact. So thanks to those guys. Thanks to our friends from Quick Trip. When you stop into Quick Trip right now, the Mountain Dew game still going on. You can win some cash, win some prizes. But don't forget, use your Quick Rewards card when you're there as well. That's our friends at Mountain Dew. That's our friends over at Quick Trip. Thanks to them for being a part of the program. Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press Gazette, coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You got to hit it, make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Hit it, make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Welcome back to the program. Thanks to our friends over there at Albanese's Roadhouse. Joey, right there in Waukesha, Wisconsin. If you're looking for some great Italian food, that's the place to go. Albanese's Roadhouse, also bocce ball tonight. I know that. I know that for a fact. They have bocce ball on Thursday nights. Uh, you can drive by there and see a whole you know, just a cast of people outside doing the bocce ball thing. Otherwise, uh, all you got to do is uh, swing in and get some great food, great beverages. Say hi to Joey. That's Albanese's Roadhouse. Blue Mountain Road in Waukesha, right there next to Menards. Tell them we said hi. Uh, time now to uh, go to the uh, hotline. Our buddy uh, Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, at Pete Doherty uh, over on Twitter, joining us on the hotline. Pete, how you doing? Pretty good, Bill. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, let me let me start off with the, the meeting that was wide receivers, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what was your takeaway after guys talked about that a little bit? Um, you know, it sounds like it's something they don't regularly do, so uh, – you know, it didn't hurt. You know, it's, I, I would have thought, and I think in the past, I thought it was something where they had the receivers and the quarterbacks in the same room, you know, at least once a week. And so maybe if nothing else, the Packers learned that this might not be the worst idea to do to do this once a week from here on out, just uh, to make sure everybody's thinking the same. Because, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of truth to it. it. Hearing it from a coach, of course, helps, and they coach guys up and all that. But to actually go through it with the guy who's pulling the trigger um, and any different differences that he's thinking, any nuances there, is probably valuable. So I wonder if uh, uh, if Matt LaFleur picked up something there and it's something that he might uh, continue doing 
uh, for the rest of the season, you know, once a week or so. Is Aaron, like, overwhelmingly frustrated with what's gone on wide receiver-wise? Is there a, uh, hey, guys, we, we need to get it in gear. We're, you know, we're, we're only a few weeks away from the regular season here now. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I think everything he does and says is calculated, like, through the media when he's talking to the media. So the week before, he had gone, you know, the first couple of weeks, he had gone out of his way to, you know, say, hey, these mistakes are good. You know, I really like how things are going. And then I think he just did this to send a message that the regular season is going to crank up here pretty soon, and it, and it's for real, and just to get everybody on, on high alert. I think it was more a calculated thing. Yeah, I'm sure they were making mistakes in practice. I don't know if it was any worse than, you know, the other weeks. But I think it was just a calculated move by him. Just, uh, you know, put a burn on everybody's, all the receivers' saddle, you know. What about uh, – what has stood out to you so far? Because there's a lot of young faces. There's a lot of new faces. There's uh, a lot of shuffling going on. The offensive line has been a work in progress. New wide receivers, new faces, young guys on the defensive front. What has stood out to you overall so far in camp? You know, it's the same thing that if you've been reading the stories by everybody and following Twitter from people at practices, it's pretty much the same thing you're seeing. It's The, the defense has definitely been the dominant – side of the ball in practice um but you know offense has had its moments had its days but the defense that they're getting a lot of pressure up front uh, i think jaron reed might be a pretty solid player and a nice addition for them um their, their pass rush their front seven just seems it just seems better more active more explosive and you know on offense i mean they're doing a lot of two back stuff so i think we're, the ball is going to be in 33 and 28 it's going to be in their hands a lot this season handing the ball off, throwing screens, throwing checkdowns. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if both of those guys put up, I don't know, close to 1,500 yards each uh, running and passing. I mean, I think they're going to be a huge part of that offense. That was uh, going to be my next question. I, and I know a lot of people uh, nationally say, well, you know, uh, they're going to have to run the ball more. They're going to be coming a uh, running offense. And my argument to that is, there's no way in hell they're going to take the ball out of the MVP's hands. My thought is you're going to see more motion, more guys schemed open. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's a short passing game, but it's going to become, to me, almost more traditional West Coast offense, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That made me, just as you were saying that, that made me think back to Mike Holmgren's first few years when they didn't have much of a running game. And they basically used – the check down and the swing passes and the short passes as their running game. And I think, I think that's probably what a lot of what this team will be doing. A lot of quick outs, a lot of, I think LaFleur calls it quick game. We'll probably see, you know, a lot of quick game until teams take that away and then they'll take their deep shots. So I do think their run ratio will probably go up from what it's been. Um, but the, the bigger thing for them is just to get their, their two best playmakers are their two running backs. So, you get the ball in their hands by hook or by crook, whether you hand it to them or throw it to them, it doesn't matter. Right. The uh, now I want to go back to the defense because you had talked a little bit about that. So I wanted to while while it was fresh in my mind, uh, the young guys on defense obviously had a tremendous amount of depth, and there's a lot of optimism there. Uh, I think everybody, uh, you know, I've even read some of your stuff that has said that the biggest concern obviously is the outside linebacking position depth, and then the backup uh, at say safety. Uh, that depth there is is. Do you think the backup outside linebacker right now 
is on this squad, or do you think they're going to be efforting outward once uh, cutdown day happens? I still am tempted or um, inclined to think the latter. Now, their fifth-round pick, that Enigbare, um, he's he had a really good week this week against the Saints and had some good pass rushes. Uh, mostly, you know, he's going more against the twos than the ones, but still he looked he looked pretty decent. But um, especially stopping the run, you know, like when they signed Merciless last year, he's he made his bones in the league as more of a pass rusher, but he was an older guy. He, actually, what he added till he got hurt was he gave him a little more stout, another th- a third stout guy on the edge. And so I, it sure looks like they're going to need some of that because, you know, Preston Smith and Gary, I mean, you can't, even if they stay healthy all year, you know, you can't put them out there every snap. I don't think you want them over, I don't know, 80% of the snaps or so. So there's going to be another guy or two out there, and those guys have to hold up or defenses are just going to attack. I'm going to run right at them, run boots at them and all that. Uh, so I still wonder... Unless, you know, Enigbari keeps just taking off here, I, I still wonder if they'll need to somehow or other, you know, either through trade or, a, you know, a waiver pickup when, a, when somebody gets cut like Merciless did, um, need to add somebody at that spot. Talking with Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. You can find him on Twitter, at Pete Doherty. So uh, going back to the the secondary, now the opposite side of the coin is, if you look at all the starters, this team's pretty solid. Uh, you know, I, I get all the time, are they a top five, top three defense? Well, their scoring defense wasn't great last year. So what does this defense potential have, Pete? I mean, uh, you know, let's just say you don't get a lot of injuries and the injuries they do have are not nagging to the point that guys are down for long periods of time. How good do you think this defense can be? So you never know till you see him playing, you know, a chunk of real games, you know, five or six, something like that. Um, but right. kind of just watching practice and, you know, I've done, I've been going out to these camps for 30 years. I, I think they're going to be pretty good. I, if they don't now the big, you're, you're right. The health is huge. I, if they don't have any injuries, I think they have a legit shot at being a top five scoring defense, which is, you know, that's where you want to be. It's about the points more than the yards. And I think they would have a legit shot at being a top-five defense, which would mean their defense could win them some games, which they're going to need because they're just not going to be as dynamic as they this year as they were the last couple of years, I wouldn't think. What about this uh, special teams unit, uh, whether it's punt team, kick team, coverage teams, what have you, returning? How much better uh, – you know, I, I – how much better do you think they'll be? I mean, I love Basaccia and the fact that he's got the energy and the fact that he's going to throw the gloves on and be a long snapper himself, and he's going to say, look, if, if if I can do it, you can do it, and if you can't do it, get the hell out of here. I mean, he's kind of like taking no prisoners at this point, right? Yeah, and he's he's brought a dynamic element to the practices, uh, just the energy. It looks like the attention to the tail is really, really good. But, you know, Especially, I mean, this is that's one group where you can't tell much of anything other than how good the kicker and the punter are by watching practice. The proof in that will be in the games. And with how things have gone on special teams here on and off for, you know, 25 years or so, I mean, they're guilty of self-proven innocence, so we'll just have to see it on the field. What about Mason Crosby? Give me your thoughts there because uh, I know he, you know, kicking a soccer ball around the other day and obviously has not had uh, the meaningful reps right now in the preseason, but thoughts on Crosby? Yeah, when camp started, he made it sound like there was a chance that he might miss all the camp, but that he could do that and kick in the first game. 
And I think he's doing more than, you know, everything he's doing is inside the Hudson Center where, you know, that's out of the public eye and the uh, eyes of reporters. So I'm sure he's doing some kind of kicking. He's just not doing it in team drills, you know, with everybody out there. And uh, O'Donnell looks like a really good holder, really good. So I think the operation will be fine as long as the long snapper's okay. Um, so I'm inclined to say with a guy with Crosby's experience, it should be okay. You never know if, if the need really is an issue and this didn't solve it, then, then they, that's a whole different thing and they got a real problem. But, you know, the guy with Crosby's experience, I would think he can he can pick right up as long as he's still able to get pretty good work in, which it sounds like, which he says he has. Um, so, you know, I mean, we'll find out when the games start, but I – I w- if I would, it doesn't seem like the Packers are very worried, and I, you know, I don't see obvious cause for alarm unless until he comes out and misses some kicks. Real quick before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, overall they had these two practices against the Saints. Rodgers doesn't like it. More teams are going to it. You try to get more out of it. I know they're vanilla, but it's still going against another guy that wants to knock your block off and make a team. Give me your thoughts on the joint practice. Yeah, I know the. I know Rodgers doesn't like it, and I'm sure he's got good reasons for it. Um, and he feels like he can get more work done in the more controlled circumstance of regular practice. And most everything teams do is to make life better for the quarterback. But this is one instance where I think it's – I get why teams, why coaches and GMs want these joint practices because you get to see guys against other guys against schemes that you're not going to see, that you don't see in practice every day, so it's not the same – you know, it gets real monotonous at camp because you're always seeing the same offense against the same defense for the players. So to see somebody else, I think, is really good for them, and it helps with evaluating players. And you get a sense because sometimes, you know, the game comes down to matchups. And so a player might have a good matchup, you know, against the Packers secondary. So you got to see him against somebody else's secondary to see if he's for real. And like Romeo Dobbs, for instance, uh, he's getting open just as often against the Saints as he is in Packers practice. So... Uh, it, it confirms things like that. So I, I don't know. If I'm a coach or a GM, I'm doing the joint practices and just, you know, the quarterback just has to, you know, just live with it for a couple of days. Always good to chat, my friend. We appreciate it, and I'll talk to you again soon, okay? Sounds good, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thanks, pal. There you go. Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Going to step away, take a quick break, broadcasting live at Lux Golf Bays. We are here in Franklin, Wisconsin. Going to come back uh, with the owner of this place and talk a little bit about this, the motorcycle ride coming up, uh, the complex itself down here. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show live down here in Franklin coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. We are glad to have you. Our reminder coming up on Sunday. Sunday, September 4th, in case you did not know, for whatever reason, it is the uh, the 15th annual poker on benefiting Fisher House, Wisconsin. Again, Sunday, September 4th. Sunday, September 4th. It's brought to you by our friends at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. Bud Light, uh, a big spot. They've been with us all 15 years, as a matter of fact, and beyond. Uh, also, Pottawatomie Hotel Casino, MKE Brewing. And then, obviously, uh, the Rock Complex down here in Franklin. Our friends at Alpine Valley. Uh, Knucklehead out in Eagle and uh, as I had mentioned before, a growth law firm, 
uh, our friends at Buzzard Billy's out in La Crosse, Great Lakes Dragaway down in Union Grove, and our friends Kane and Kane Jewelers uh, up north in uh, West Bend. So thanks so much for being a part of it. If you're watching us on the uh, Bud Light live stream right now, you can scan the QR code if you want to get registered, or if you know somebody else that rides, send it to them. Uh, otherwise, go to fisherhousewi.org, fisherhousewi.org, and get signed up. Go to the events page, and the link is right there. So there you have it. Um, Coming back down here, uh, and welcome to those of you watching on the Bud Light live stream and listening all throughout the state. Mike Zimmerman, who uh, you know owns this beautiful complex down here. How you doing, man? Good, man. This is pretty. Uh, I've I was saying earlier, I've never done this. Yeah. So I've been to a couple of simulators, but I've never done this. And this complex. Now you're not fully open yet you guys have had a bunch of people coming through and getting kind of the preview we're getting a preview here today you're doing the big party on friday night but uh between so where did this start did it start off into the distance at the ski hill or baseball stadium where did this whole thing start to begin with yeah it's a good question um so it started about seven years ago um you know when when uh we started to talk about you know what do we want to do here what types of activities and i'm a big big lover of top golf which is okay for those people that have been to a top golf they'll know exactly what this thing is so i'm like you know how hard how hard can that be but it turns out it's super hard to do it took yeah. us seven years to do it but <laughs> uh you know um there's a lot of differences but yeah seven years ago we had the space we had the parking which is a big big you know piece of the puzzle here but we also it's part of ballpark commons investment thesis it's part of our partnership with franklin right you know we're trying to create um activities that are kind of infused around entertainment right next door to us is the stadium we've got right the fitness center we've got like you said the ski hill so this is going to be the darling of the development though i think what was the first development you had here was it the ski hill or was it the ball fields yeah so it started out with uh, i was leasing the property with um from milwaukee county parks which okay. included the ski hill and that's been in existence since the 80s so we took that over um it's now run by little switzerland um, great operators, but yep. uh, in the beginning it was just baseball fields and the umbrella bar. Okay, yeah, and was, then you guys uh, decided, oh, by the way, we're going to put a baseball team in here. Yeah. So now you got the Milwaukee Milkmen. Got the Milkmen. Yeah, it's also the home of uh, the UWM Panthers, the only D1 right. program in the state. Which, uh, by the way, for those who did not know, you guys uh, held a game and did uh, some charity fundraising for the Fisher House, which was a, we did. a, a wild success, so we appreciated that. Yeah, no, it is our pleasure. That's a big piece of what we do. I mean, rock uh, ventures. It's ROC and, and the ROC stands for return on community. So a big piece of what we do is, you know, to help uh, other charities and, you know, we're kind of the, the stage, the amplifier, get their message yeah. out, which was fantastic. And, uh, then you decided to build this, but uh, you had mentioned the fitness facility. You've got a fitness facility in here. You've got uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You have therapy uh, yeah. here as well. We do. Yeah. We've got the YMCA. They've got a brand new fitness model. Um, it, for people that uh, have been there, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But for people that uh, haven't, I, I encourage you to check it out. It's kind of their newer model. It's not the YMCA's that, that you think about. Um, right. It's more couture. It's a smaller footprint. Good energy, good vibe. Um, and then uh, physical therapy done by Exos is over there, too, okay. along with uh, the uh, Midwest uh, orthopedic group, MOSH. And then you have also a coffee bar. That also has a few spirits in it. Yeah, blend. So coffee by day, cocktails by night, kind okay. of higher-end cocktails, martinis. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I heard uh, this in the wind, but I, I got uh, really excited because uh, there is a cigar bar or a cigar Coming. lounge. Somebody already uh, leaked that to you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
Third floor, it's going to be. Hitting. Oh, I know. I, I was out of my mind because the first thing I said was, "We got to do a dinner down here. We yeah. got to do one of the cigar dinners down here." Yeah, we're going to do a cigar lounge here. Yep, um, it's going to be part of Lux. It's going to be um, on the third floor, so you'll be able to. We're building a patio. It's going to have great sight lines. So we'll That'll have you out awesome. again. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> that that's in my wheelhouse. So if you want to come here, uh, you can do the, which I find fascinating because, like I said, I've never done this before. We just wave your club in front of this thing. The ball pops out. You're good to go. And whether you want to hit irons, drivers, what have you, and then obviously the different targets that are out there. And for those that are watching on the Bud Light live stream, you can you can see exactly what it is we're talking about right now. And I talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, now you do this for groups, you do this for corporate affairs, you do I mean just about anything. You yeah, can do. charities, parties, you ba- can a lot bring of bachelor here. parties. We've got an yeah. event space that holds you know 175, 200, kind of depending on the setup. We do full. We're doing a full buyout of a for a corporation. We've got Crohn's here tomorrow. That's got a group of 400. So it can be as small as a birthday party, bachelor party, up to a huge corporate event. Now, I, I did want to make a mention because we talked about the motorcycle ride coming in. It's the first time we've ever done anything like this. And uh, you always think of uh, motorcycle riders going bar to bar. It's always biker bars. And But what I've found is they really love something different. Uh, so you've opened up the umbrella bar for us. So you got a band that's going to be playing that day. Uh, but you, you, when we kind of brought this to the forefront, you're like, bring it. You know, anything to help veterans, military members, their families, and uh, to, to not only give you exposure, but to put that many people, that mass of people into one particular, you know, area on the first leg of the ride. You're like, we'll do it. No problem, which was great. We appreciate it. No, we, we appreciate it. It's, I mean, like I said, it's a piece of what we do. We got the parking. And if it's bars people want, we sure got that. I think there's going to be <laughs> four or five of them on site. So we're going to have... You know, the Umbrella Bar is going to be the main place, uh, but we're going to open locks if people want to. I know you guys are going to be here for about maybe an hour max. Hour or two. So no, we'll be about because there's only hours. three stops this year. Okay. So we gave them the whole day so they could come and enjoy this place because the, the complex itself is so big that we thought, you know, if it's going to take you time, 10, 15 minutes to walk from place to place and get a little exercise in, you want to come over and play golf, you want to get a beer, you want to go down by the Milkman Field, you want to see that. We wanted to make sure we gave people plenty of time to just absorb all of this. Yeah, it's it's still going to be tough to get everything in here in two right. hours, but we're gonna. it's going to be a heck of a time, and I think people that uh, aren't on a bike, come on out and check it out and see see the stuff that, that you know, see this ride, see the – learn more about the charity so yeah i mean it's going to be a great day we're looking forward to it. the biggest thing i'm getting is people want to see the ride come in uh and i'm finding that now more and more families of riders uh and they're looking for the best vantage point so we know there's going to be some construction that's going to begin next week down in this area we haven't figured out uh you know specifically how to come in yet but if they want to get here and they want to say they want to see this thing roll in where did it? Where would be the best vantage point? Whether it's here in the complex or in the area, where do you think it would be the best vantage point? Yeah, I'd say the umbrella bar would be because it's it sits high, right? And you've right. Got, you can literally uh, it's like being in a crow's nest, right? Um, and I will tell you, uh, if we, I don't know what weather is going to be, but uh, it's it's always in a weird pocket. It's got some of the most beautiful sunsets, also like rainbows. Yeah. Interestingly, sort of rainbows find their way in the umbrella bar. So. Okay. But I would start at the umbrella bar and then. Okay. And then just walk around. Now I got to ask you. I noticed today. I'm sitting here and I'm watching people climb the hill, and they're standing on top of the ski hill. Is that something people do on the regular? Or, or they do. They, yeah. Okay. Yeah, every day. It's, I wasn't uh, sure if it was something organized you guys do, or if it was something that uh, just you know people tend to walk. Through no, the, you got Whitnell Park down there, and then there's okay. a, a bunch of trails that people uh, they make a part of their workout, their walk, and it's just the the view up there is terrific. You can actually see uh, AmFam. And you can also see the U.S. Bank building from up there. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, well, that'd be another hell of a view, I guess, to watch all the bikes come in. It's tough to get up there, though. 
Well, you know, for, for you and I, but yeah, anybody with exactly. actual actual stamina could probably do it, no doubt. Micah, it's a great complex. Uh, best of luck to you on this. Uh, I can't wait. As a matter of fact, uh, Chris and I were talking about it today about bringing the kids down and just coming down and making a day of it and hanging out down here. This is this is awesome, man. This is yeah. this is fantastic. Yeah, the golf is. Uh, we're we're actually fully open now. We're uh, this is our last day of soft opening, and then tomorrow it's the grand opening. We're doing. A huge firework display, probably oh. like the fifth largest in the state. Really? Uh, yeah, it's okay. going to be terrific. Um, Packers so games will be on, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know how many TVs we've got here? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be everywhere, so it's going to be fun. Good stuff. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it, man. We look forward appreciate to the you. ride coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, thanks for bringing us out, man. This is just absolutely yeah, thanks awesome. for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Mike Zimmerman joining us uh, here. We're going to go ahead and uh, come back. we got a lot more coming up. Paul Charchi in here in about 10, 15 minutes as well, talking some fantasy football. We'll be back right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are making more roster moves before tomorrow night's preseason game here at Lambeau Field against the Saints. Green Bay has re-signed receiver Travis Fulgham, who was in their training camp for a brief time in 2020, then went on to lead the Eagles in yards receiving that season. They've waived Malik Taylor, who's been hampered by a shoulder injury. Taylor beat out Jake Kumaro for a roster spot back in 2019. The Saints got back their top receiver, Michael Thomas, after spending the past year recovering from ankle surgery. Um, the program that the team's had me on with Coach DA and the training staff that they've had me on, it's really allowed me to like start slowly transitioning and getting back to my old self and getting the flow for the game. And being out here in these joint practices allows me to compete against another guy, work on some technique, and just get back to the real thing. Aaron Rodgers was critical of the Packers' young receivers on Tuesday. Randall Cobb on what the quarterback was referring to. It's about taking what you learn in the meetings and applying it in an individual to the team periods and seeing that natural progression. And once we get into the preseason game, doing the same thing we talked about and seeing it. Because the film doesn't lie. When you watch the film, you see it. It's either you did it or you didn't do it. And there, there's nothing else you can say. Matt LaFleur on what needs to be addressed on the Packers offense. There's going to be growing pains, particularly with younger players. And the thing is, and, and I appreciate this about Aaron, it's just the urgency to get some of this stuff corrected. I mean, you can't make the same mistake twice. Not in this league. We don't have time for it. That's Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Michael Show. We're broadcasting live at uh, Lux Golf Base down here in Franklin, Wisconsin. In beautiful place. And uh, thanks to Mike Zimmerman for joining us, the owner down here. Uh, they have the ski hill. They have obviously the umbrella bar, which is uh, a really uh, a big attraction, specifically in the summertime. And then, which is ski hills, obviously the uh, big attraction in the wintertime. And um, anyway, long story short, uh, they got a lot of different stuff down here. Big time. Uh, I, real quick, for those that did not know, uh, the Deshaun Watson, um, he uh, has been – they've reached an agreement with the NFL. 
he is going to he is going to get 11 games. And I know for some that's not enough. For some, they really don't care. Um, but Deshaun Watson, on why he accepted a settlement if he claims he's innocent. He said, quote, I've always been able to stand on my innocence and always said I never assaulted or disrespected anyone. But at the same point, I have to continue to push forward with my life and career. For everybody that was affected by this situation, there were a lot of people that were triggered. Deshaun Watson had to say as to why he apologized. Um, The backlash on this is basically this is a guy that doesn't get it. This is a guy that just he just doesn't get it. And this is part of the problem with when you have Deshaun Watson after this situation. You know, I, I get that there's this whole sensitivity training. I get that, you know, they want him to be more understanding as to what he just doesn't get it. So the question after the apology or lack thereof, after all of this has been stated, is there something that would make you say, oh, yeah, this this guy's getting exactly what he deserves. This guy is getting uh, – he gets it. He, he gets that what he did was wrong, that he's considered a creeper. He's considered a stalker. He's considered a, you know, a, a guy that's, you know, disreputable. Um, it, it just – I don't know. Uh, you know, Adam Schefter tweeting out last Friday, Deshaun Watson made comments that the NFL thought were an important first step – but the league still expects him to be fully compliant with his treatment and accept accountability and understand his behavior. Okay, well, <laughs> he then 30 seconds into his press conference, he said, I, I'm apologizing because a lot of people were triggered. In other words, I didn't do anything wrong. It's just you people got upset. I, he's an idiot. He's, he's just an idiot. I, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, then the Browns owner, owner, Jimmy Haslam, was asked if he'd go back and sign Deshaun Watson all over again. He said, quote, absolutely, and adds, people deserve second chances. Does he get no chance to rehabilitate himself? We gave Kareem Hunt a second chance. That worked out pretty well. I, I, From Jimmy Haslam's perspective, first of all, what's he supposed to say? That's his quarterback, and he's guaranteed him $230 million. Is he supposed to say at this point, there's no way in hell I would take this on anymore? No. I think Jimmy Haslam would do it, quite quite honest. I, I think he's being 100% truthful. And I don't think Jimmy Haslam give two dams about what Deshaun Watson's accused of doing. Jimmy Haslam has never been, uh, for the most part, the most reputable person out there anyway. So do I think that Jimmy Haslam is, is the man? No, I, he, <laughs> I don't take anything he says with uh, any modicum of seriousness and or intelligence. He's built a hell of a business, hell of a businessman. But, no, he's invested $230 million guaranteed into this creeper. I think what everybody – I shouldn't say what everybody, maybe because I don't know. But I'll say this. I think there are a lot of people out there right now that are rooting hard against the Cleveland Browns because of this. The Browns have become somewhat of a, a, a pariah now. And um, when they had the preseason game in Cleveland the other day, Ben, did you hear what the fans were chanting? 
I remember seeing the video. I forget the specifics of it. It was uh, it, it was pretty pretty uh, derogatory against Deshaun Watson, and that's the Cleveland fans. Pack fan says he's not a creeper. Oh, he's a creeper. Yeah, he's trolling the internet for uh, for massages from well over thirty plus women. Come on. And then after all of this, after all the accusations that come out, oh yeah, he's a creeper. I don't know what you define as a creeper, Pack fan, but or what you have to do to be considered a creeper. But he's a creeper. Or if you want to say it's more strong than that, then I would agree with you. By the way, uh, it was the Jaguar fans that were ripping him, by the way, not just Cleveland Browns. But there are Cleveland Browns fans that are pretty upset about it, that I know, because i got a couple of them that are friends of mine, uh, if you can believe that. But coming up after the top of the hour, oh, it is fantasy football time. Our buddy Paul Charchian. If you got a question for Paul Charchian, bring it now. Bring it now. 877-867-1670. We're going to talk some fantasy football as you get ready for your draft. Coming up next. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.